We're so glad that you've tuned in today here at Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Chase Baker, and I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're continuing in our series, Refined. And today, our focus is on the sin of gluttony. Now, most times we think of that word, we specifically think of food, which it certainly applies to, but gluttony encompasses so much more than just that. It includes habitual greed of the excess of anything. You see, God longs for us to see Him as enough and to celebrate the gifts that He gives rather than having too much of anything He created. There's so much wisdom to be found on this topic in Proverbs. So we're excited that you're here to jump into the scripture as we head into week two of Refine. Thank you for being here. Well, good morning. No, I am not Jeff. Uh, Jeff didn't shave his hair and grow a beard last week while he was in the Amazon. Uh, my name is T. Lusk, and I get to serve as the Columbia Campus Pastor. And, and I want to welcome you this morning to, to Rolling Hills, uh, and thank you for worshiping this morning. If you're online, we're so glad that you've joined us there as well. I, I, you know, it's been a little bit. Uh, I, I miss my folks in Columbia this morning, but I'm really excited uh, to be able to be here with you guys. It's been almost seven months uh, or just over seven months since uh, we started the Columbia campus. We launched in September, but we began uh, having services in August. And uh, God's been so faithful, and so many of you have been uh, right alongside of us in prayer and support. Uh, and I just want to thank you. Uh, we, we have not gone to Columbia, but we have not gone alone. Uh, many folks from our Rolling Hills Franklin campus joined us down there and have been a part of that core team that's got things started. And we get new people every week. We have a great staff. And uh, we're, so I, I believe it's, it's incredible to be able to go and launch something new in a new place. But it's even more incredible to be able to do that and, and know that we're not alone. And, and I know that I'm not alone because uh, of your support. And, and I'll just go ahead and unapologetically say, I mean, if you have friends that live on the south side of Spring Hill or in Columbia and they're looking for a church, we'd love for them to come and check us out. Riverside Elementary, uh, every Sunday, 10 a.m., we have, have our, our worship gathering. If you yourself live on the south side of Columbia or south side of Spring Hill, Columbia, want to come check us out, can we scrap that from the recording so Jeff doesn't hear it? Uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you come and, come and check us out. We're, we're excited to be able to, to worship together and, and, and to be able to do that this morning. This morning, we, we're, we're streaming to them down there, so I haven't abandoned them, uh, but we're, we're excited to be able to worship together 
uh, and just kind of give that, that quick update for you guys. As you know, uh, Pastor Jeff and a team were down uh, in, in the Amazon last week with Justice and Mercy International, JMI, our missions, uh, our missions arm, and, and doing some work with the, the pastors that are there in the Amazon. There's a, a whole host of pastors that gather once a year, and we're able to minister to them. And uh, They had a great week. They got back uh, yesterday and, and uh, just to give him some rest, and I think because he knew the topic was going to be this on this day. He was like, T, you're going to be up there. So uh, you'll find out more about that later, right? So last week, you got to hear from Pastor Nick, and, and he did an incredible job of kicking off our series called Refine, where over the next several weeks, we're going to be working through the Proverbs, or working through Proverbs, and looking at the seven deadly sins. And Nick did a great job of kicking us off and kind of gave us that, that reminder. And, and what our prayer over the next several weeks is as God shines his light on our lives and specifically on these areas, these seven areas that we see in scripture, that, that God would do some incredible things. And by his grace, he would free us, restore us and renew us that he would refine us, that we would look more like him because our goal here at Rolling Hills, because it's the goal of scripture is that we would become fully mature disciples. And so we're not trying to work through the seven deadly sins so everybody feels bad every week. It's because we want from God's word to grow and look more like him. And you, it, as Pastor Nick said it last week, you know, the, these uh, seven deadly sins were kind of established. He come from, from Proverbs, but kind of established by one of the desert fathers, a monk who uh, kind of along with some other monks there in the early church kind of said that, hey, these are the seven kind of sins that have no place in the life of this monastic community. And I would say that, that in what we argued last week and continue to argue this week is that they have no place in our lives either. That as followers of Christ, as those who have been redeemed by Jesus, that these, these sins that we're going to recognize as the seven deadly or, or some have said cardinal or capital sins, that these sins have no place in our lives. And you know, these are identified not because they're the worst of the worst, because we know that all sin is deadly, right? That's what scripture says. But as Dorothy Sayers, author and theologian, she says this, that, they, that these are recognized as the headwaters from which sinful behaviors ultimately spring, that they are the seven roots of sinfulness. I like the way this guy says, a guy named Brian Hodges, I feel like he watches a lot of uh, movies that I would, I, Born Identity and those kind of watch, because this is the way he says it. He says, these are the leading undercover operatives for the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's intense, right? That they're the, they, are, they create the evil complex and the powers and arrays that are, that are warring against our soul. And while we recognize these sins by their names, we're often misled by the subtlety of their methods and their ways. And that sounds, again, intense. But the reality is that these seven are not the end of sin. They're just the beginnings. They're the flood, the, the, the waters that, that begin. They're the root of those. And, they, and we're misled by the deceptiveness sometimes because we don't see it so clearly how some of these, as we'll explore, are evident and, and working against us on a daily basis in our lives. You know, one of the, um, as Pastor Nick said last week, and, and this is why I think that uh, Pastor Jeff wanted to not be up here this morning. I, he, I, that's a joke. Don't tell him I said that, right? Um, Pastor Nick said that he drew the short straw in talking about lust last week, and he did a fantastic job of that. But I feel like I was a little typecast in this particular conversation. Like they had to bring the big boy in for the conversation about gluttony. 
<clears throat> I was like, come on, man. Like, I've been working on it, right? I even wore my black this morning, which now I realize is like, I realize that's like a fashion industry's way to let people know that, oh, that dude's struggling with his weight, or he feels like, don't write me an email. I'm not. I'm fine, right? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. But as we read this text this morning and, and, and go to our worship, before we go to the text, I want to kind of give us kind of a, an overarching main idea of what we're gonna work through. And if you have your worship guides, it's kind of the first thing that we'll fill out there. But listen to this, as we work through this this morning in this passage about gluttony, it says that Proverbs are wise words from a loving father on how to live the full life. They warn us of sin's snare, warn us of the sin's snare of gluttony, excuse me, the sinful snare of gluttony, and invite us into the freedom that comes from being satisfied in Christ. And this morning, as we work through this, what I hope is that we'll slow down and we'll hear these words from Jesus, from, from God in Proverbs, and, and this encouragement as we work through this sin, this sin of gluttony. And rather than hearing from a God who wants to take away, we'll hear from a loving Father who says, life works best this way. I want you to experience the full life. And so if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 19 through 21 is our passage this morning. And I'll read it and we'll pray and dive in. It says this, listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. And do not join those who drink much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you do love us. And your love for us is so evident and so clearly displayed on a cross where you laid your life down for sinners that we could be restored and renewed and refined. And Father, that you gave us your word to teach us what life looks like and how to live the full life, not to restrict, but to give us the full life. And so as we open your word today, shine the light of your truth, the light of your gospel on us and give us clarity in the path that we walk. And I pray that, God, through the midst of this and this particular sin that we're, that we're exploring, that, God, we would hear your word clearly and be satisfied in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So loving words, Proverbs are loving words from a, a loving or wise words from a loving father on how to live the full life. It, it's been a practice of mine for a number of years. I can't remember how long, but beginning in August, usually uh, first part of August, I'll read through the Proverbs. It's a great way to just kind of just on a yearly basis, just be reminded of the truth that's there. And I love the Proverbs. I love what's there, and maybe you've read through them before, and you're like, it's kind of confusing. There's just all these different sayings. But, but the reality of this, just the simple truths of wisdom for life, because the reality is that, that you and I, and my, my, I'll go and say, I have trouble sometimes wandering from the, from the, the truth of God's word. Sometimes I, I see things wrong I, I, and, I, and I see things in, in askew and the view of the world and, and the, the, the riches that are here. I, I, I long for those things, but God's word, especially in the Proverbs, begins to set me right in those things. It gives me the, the, the truth to, to set my course right. And the main reason why, honestly, this morning, I think is it will be a little bit of a challenge for us as we work through this passage 
is that for some of us, gluttony, this particular sin that we're looking at, we've never really wrestled with it being a problem. I mean, for most of us last week, nobody walked out of here and was like, I don't know, Nick, I think, I think lust is probably not a sin. I don't think anybody was arguing with Nick and, and, and the passage, nobody was saying, ah, lust is not that big of a deal, right? But this morning, I think a lot of us have trouble seeing this particular sin as a sin. And, and I'll say that from personal experience, because I'm not coming to you as someone that's somehow immune to indulging or overindulging in the delights and the, 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 the delectable things that are laid before me at a golden crowd. I don't go to golden crowd, that's a joke. <laughs> Do not judge me. Some of you keto folks are like, oh, you can't believe. It's been a long time. I have some, some self-control, right? But we don't see it. Like we have these moments where, where we don't see it as, as a problem. It, it, it maybe eludes us a little bit. I'm not, but I'm not, again, not, I'm not one that's somehow immune to it. I, I can tell you that plenty of times, even this past week, there was moments where I indulged past what, what, what was rightful in, those, in that moment. And, and true, I felt bad, but it wasn't because I was convicted. It's because my stomach hurt. I was longing for elastic, not repentance. <laughs> right, I was uncomfortable, but, but the truth, I didn't look at it. I didn't say at the end, man, I really need to go to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness because I overindulged this morning. The reality is that's not, I don't think some of us, I think many of us, because it's because of the way that this sin particularly presents itself, that we have a problem with it. One pastor, a guy named Jerry Bridges, he puts this sin, the sin of gluttony or intemperance in the category of respectable sins, where it's one of those that, yes, we know we do it, but we don't really, it's not that big of a deal, right? Another author says it, that it's a tolerated sin. And the reality is that, that it's true. So many of us have these places where it's respectable and it's tolerated, but if the goodness of God and his word warns us of the dangers of this sin and faithful followers of Jesus throughout the centuries have walked and, and, and identified gluttony as one of those deep-rooted sins from which other sinful attitudes and actions grow, then we would do well to study it and understand it this morning. And I can't think of a better place to do that than beginning by defining it. And if, again, if you have your worship guides, we say that gluttony is this, that gluttony is the sinful, disordered love for and indulgence in God's good gifts. That gluttony is the, is the sinful, disordered love for and indulgence in God's good gifts. It's subtle in the way that it presents itself, and subtle for a couple reasons, and I think it's because it's, it's not just as simple as a scale. But for some of us, even when we talk about gluttony, what comes to mind is something from an Austin Powers movie that I can't say out loud here because we would be offended, right? But, but that's the image that comes to mind, but the reality is that it's not just about a scale, that in a room even this size, I would say that, that in that picture of gluttony as morbid obesity, that more than likely there's many of us in this room that would never tip the scales towards overweight or even close to obesity, but we struggle with gluttony because of the way that we indulge or because of the, the habit of overeating or the excessive dieting or the way that we focus on food or have other food-related issues. It's, it's subtle because it's not just about, it's not about a holiday, but it's about a habit. 
And this is where you need to hold on and lean in because this is where I'm gonna help you with the Super Bowl tonight, right? It's not a holiday, it's a habit. I'm not talking about just the, the fact that, that on these moments, one pastor or one, one author put it this way, and I think it captures it so, so clearly. So we're not talking about having seconds or thirds, third helpings at a party or even during holiday celebrations or when you're hosting friends. Listen, Jesus' ministry, it started with a feast. There was multiple times that Jesus himself was called a glutton because of the way they viewed him, because he was at feast and enjoying life together with those folks. History, at the end, in Revelation, it culminates in a feast, and throughout history, throughout redemptive history in Scripture, God calls and even commands his people to joyfully and regularly feast. So it's not about holidays, it's about a habit. When we talk about gluttony, we're not talking about enjoying food not, not talking about enjoying food because it's a feast, but because it's a Friday. And we just give ourselves an excuse to overindulge. I also want to say it's subtle because I believe that it's more than just food. Some of you are like, dang it, you're going to get there, aren't you? Because it's more than just food. I think the passage that, we read, that we're reading this morning is certainly about food. There's no escaping that, that this is about food is what he's saying. But I think in, in Scripture in general that we can say that it's, it broadens that explanation that God's good gifts that we indulge in, it's not just food that we indulge or we sinfully have a disorder. It's entertainment. You're like, dang it, you and your Netflix. It's information this is really gonna hurt some of us. Social media, as one theologian, uh, the, the Keith, young Keith Akers said, there's a reason they call your social media a feed, because we indulge ourselves in it. Keith Akers is a volunteer, is he, a joke, but that's fine. <laughs> Keith, I heard you, you did a good job with that one. We indulge ourselves in those things and entertainment and information. We're gluttons. We just consume and consume. We spend so much time flipping through our social media accounts and we're feeding, but we're not being fed. We consume and we indulge on all of those things, but it's really not ever satisfying. One theologian, 13th century philosopher and theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas, Kind of, kind of boiled these down, the sin of gluttony, and he says we do this in four ways, with, with quantity, with quality, with when and why. Quantity is obvious, right? It's the, it's the overindulgence. It's just taking in over and over. It's the more and more. It's, it's not watching two shows on a really great Netflix special, right? It's watching all of them in one night. That's indulging. You're like, I've never done that this week. It's eating, it's, it's, it's just consuming just to consume. I don't need to share with you the examples of how I've done this in my life, right? This is the reason why I'm wearing a black shirt. That's it. It's consuming just to consume. This one, though, and this was a little harder for, for me to understand, but he says quality is the second way that we do this. And, and the, the greatest explanation uh, that, that I could find and the best way to explain it comes from C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. If you've never read it, it's a great book, and uh, I'm not going to try to explain all the difference, but C.S. Lewis in his like, typical insight talks about how the, the, the devil or the demon that, that is Screwtape and is walking through this talks about this persnickety old lady who always turns her no, nose up against anything that's offered to her to eat and rather always wants just a small cup of tea. 
And he says that she's just as much a glutton as the one who consumes way too much because her focus is too much on food. That her, her desires are put before the desires or the needs of others. And that even though it's gonna put you out to make her this when you've already made something else, that she's being a glutton in that way. And this is where, honestly, it hurts real bad right here. This is where foodies who will never eat a Big Mac, ugh, you're being just as much of a glutton. I say we, because I'm in that category. Or maybe when we're so excessively particular about what we eat and the diets that we have, that we put so much on food, that our attention is so much on food, maybe not the consumption of it, but the reality that we would never do those things, that we become gluttons in the quality. It's the win. Aristotle says that this is a childish vice because it's that moment where maybe you've experienced it as, as uh, maybe this week as that hung, that you become so hungry that you're hangry, right? And you really can't do anything but eat. It's like when you fix your meal in the kitchen, but you can't wait to get to the table to take a bite of it. If you have a middle schooler in your house, you know what I'm talking about? Like they're digging in the pantry while like it's literally being served. You're like, okay, slow down. You can, you can wait just a minute. It's the when and then it's the why. When, I mean, how many of us have been sitting there scrolling through social media for far too long and look up and realize we have missed so much? And we've been feeding on this, but we've not been fed. And we get to the bottom of that bag of Doritos and we're like, why did I eat all of that? We don't know why. It was just because it was there, because we were bored. We we're mindlessly consuming and it's gluttony. Gluttony is this disordered relationship. And because it's, it's disordered, and we said it a second ago, because God desires for us to enjoy his good gifts in the right ways. It's disordered because it, it, we turn to something that is good and we make it ultimate, something that, that, that we worship and something that we look to to be satisfied in when Jesus is who we're satisfied by. Which brings us to the next question. Why should we, why do we need to take gluttony so seriously? Why do we need to take gluttony seriously? And, and it, because gluttony exposes a much deeper hunger in our hearts. Gluttony exposes a much deeper hunger in our hearts. Why, why do we need to spend so much time or why do we need to take gluttony seriously? It's because it exposes something or it exposes something about the state of my soul. This is super convicting to me this week as I was preparing. And if you're like upset with me over the next last couple minutes and maybe you'll be upset with me in the last little bit, I've been spent, I spent like 20 hours reading for this so y'all can handle 20 minutes. It's so convicting. It's this, my hunger is often not only a signal of an empty stomach but truly pointing to an empty soul. That gluttony is really more about an empty heart than it is an empty stomach. That it's more about what we worship than our waistline. It's more about what we love than what we consume. It's more about the shape of our hearts than the shape of our bodies. And we should take it seriously. We should take the sin of gluttony seriously because it happens when we go to entertainment and information and food and social media and all of those things to satisfy a craving that God put in us that he desires to satisfy. Gluttony exposes a relationship with Jesus that is malnourished. 
while my eyes and my heart and my mind has been feeding and is momentarily full and satisfied with entertainment and information and food that will never truly satisfy and leave me empty. We take it seriously because there are real consequences. If you go back to the, to the passage that we read at the beginning, our Proverbs passage in, in verse 20, it says, don't join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor. This is the consequence. They become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. The wisdom that we glean is there's truly consequences. When we live lives of this, this habitual overeating, a habitual focus on satisfying ourselves in these things that are not meant to satisfy us, indulging in uncontrolled longing for those things, that what, what happens is we become drowsy, is what the passage says. And the word there is really habitually lazy. And if you work through the Proverbs, there's only one person who's above those who are lazy in God's eyes. And that's the fool. And if you haven't read Proverbs, there's some pretty scathing things said about the fool. But the result of this sin is, is that we become useless and lazy. We clothe, it says clothe themselves in rags, which means they don't have anything to offer. It's the reason why we pay attention to it. It exposes who's in control. Again, Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas says that, that gluttony has got to be the most disgraceful of all the vices because God created us to be free and to experience him fully, but what gluttony does is chain us and we lose control. And gluttony is having a craving for food that conquers us. Paul says that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, that all things are lawful for me, but nothing, but I will not let anything dominate me, or I will not be dominated by anything. What Paul says is that what we've done, what we do in these moments is that we've given ourselves over to be ruled by another God. There's something that we're putting over God that we, rather than being controlled, these are good things that, that, are, that we shouldn't reject wholly, but we put them in their right place because God is our God and there's no other. We pay attention to it because it exposes who's in control. We pay attention and we take it seriously because it's a sin and God takes sin seriously. We can't just overlook it and act like it's no big deal because God takes sin seriously. He, we know that he takes sin seriously because ultimately he sent his son to pay a penalty for our sin. And just think about that. In the midst of indulging overindulging, the practice of habitual overindulging, that Jesus had to come and die for that. So that, so that I could be free from it. He takes it seriously, we take it seriously because God takes it seriously and it leads us to our last question. That how do we find freedom? How do we find freedom from the sin of gluttony? And I think there's three ways that we see in scripture. First is this, that, that we find daily contentment. Daily contentment, disciplined fasting, joyful feasting. Let's start with daily contentment. John Piper, author, pastor, says this. He says, I would define gluttony then as the enjoyment of food that has become untethered from the contentment in God as the governing love of our lives. Listen. When our contentment in God fades, food quickly takes its place. That hurts. 
And maybe for some of you, you know that experience where, where my contentment in God has faded and all of a sudden I'm finding it in these good things that God has given me. And maybe just beyond food, I'm finding it in, in scrolling through a social media account. I'm finding it through looking at, watching a Netflix. I'm, I'm finding it in engorging myself in information so that I can find something that satisfies my heart when ultimately the contentment that I'm longing for is only found in Christ. And untethered from him, I'm always going to look for it in some other place. Philippians, Paul writes this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content no matter what the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What Paul's contentment, where he says, I find contentment is not in the things that I have or don't have, it's in the person that has me. It's not in the things that fill my stomach or don't fill my stomach, it's in the one who fills me. There he's content. We find freedom when we recognize that he's the one who who fills us when we're daily content in him when we realize that he's the bread of life, that he's given us everything that we need for the life that he's called us to. He's provided for that longing that's in our hearts. And secondly, we disciplinedly fast, or we have disciplined fasting. We experience freedom by saying no. We recognize that there's a, we we can recognize that any of these snares, or we recognize when we're ensnared, enslaved by the sin of gluttony, because we're saying no to those things to say yes to Christ to finding our satisfaction in him. It's what faithful followers of Jesus for years, for centuries have done. Fasting is not, a, is not a hunger strike, right? It's a removing distractions so that we can remember that God is enough, that he satisfies the longings, even the deepest longings in our hearts. And Paul says everyone who competes in the games goes through strict training They do to get a crown that won't last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I don't run as someone who runs aimlessly or fight as a boxer who beats the air. No, I strike strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. So we fast, we remove ourselves from things. Maybe it's media, maybe it's food for a period of time, not to hunger strike, but to say, God, you satisfy me with things that I'm trying to, you satisfy me rather than me trying to find satisfaction in the good things that you've provided. Because ultimately you're the thing that satisfies. Lastly, we rejoice. We rejoice. We joyfully feast the question, as I was studying, one of the questions that was raised is, what if, what if it's not that we're enjoying too much, it's that we're enjoying too little? What if it's the fact that, that it's, it's really not that I'm enjoying too much the things that I'm consuming, it's that because I'm mindlessly consuming them, I'm not enjoying them really at all. And what really we should do is slow down and joyfully celebrate joyfully celebrate the provision that God has given us, that we feast not just to eat, but to celebrate the things that God has given us. Listen, the fact that you can taste the foods that you can taste, the fact that on your tongue is a, I don't know how many, this is not a scientific number, a trillion different ways to taste food, 
is God's grace. If he didn't desire that we'd enjoy it, then he would have never given us that ability. And so rather than just mindlessly indulging, maybe we slowly rejoice as we feast. We share the table together and slowly celebrate the things that God has given us to enjoy. One author says it this way, and I'm holding on to this tonight. I'm thinking peanut butter pie. She says this, that perhaps it's not that the pie got a hold of you, but that you have not properly gotten a hold of the pie. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's not that social media is the problem. It's just maybe that you're not seeing this opportunity to scroll and see what's happening in others' lives and pray for them and engage in life in a way that God has called us to, to enjoy being able to celebrate with others and scraping off political ads that people put. That's a joke too. Not really, you should scrape those off. You just think about all of the ways that God has invited us throughout scripture to come and experience the fullness And how so many of those examples, he uses food as a a way for us to understand what he desires of us. In Psalms, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In 1 Peter, he says, like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation. Jesus says that he is the bread of life and whoever comes to him will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Isaiah, I love this passage. He says, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, all who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor for what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, eat what is good and delight in the richest affair. The questions that we had is how do we find freedom from gluttony? Certainly that we daily find contentment in Christ and feasting on him by opening up his word and fasting. And if you have never worked or explored fasting, I'd, I'd invite you to go grab a disciple's guide as, you were, as you're leaving today from the Next Steps table. Maybe find it on your, on your phone in the app or on the website and just work through what it means to fast. And, and I'll tell you, I'll invite you. It's been a, it's been a minute since I've practiced regularly the, 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 the discipline of fasting. But beginning this week, every week, I'm gonna take a day. I invite you to join me in that. From dinner on one, on dinner on night to dinner the next night, I'll fast. You can enjoy, you can join me. And maybe just in that moment, we, we disciplinely fast and we see God satisfies. We rejoice in the feasting in places that, that are proper. We rejoice and celebrate God's provision. But ultimately, none of that really matters unless you actually have a relationship with Jesus. And hopefully this morning, what what you've heard as we've walked through this is not just T saying, don't eat a lot tonight at your Super Bowl party, but enjoy it. Enjoy watching Joe Burrow bring the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Go Tigers. But even more than that, 
find freedom from this sin, we need a relationship with Jesus. And what gluttony exposes more than anything is the state of our souls. And so maybe this morning, uh, what, what I believe is a conversation that, that honestly, most, most of us would not think is going this way. I believe that some of us in this room may be convicted and it's not about how much you ate, it's about the fact that your soul is empty. And then maybe you filled it with a lot of things that are good, but you've never filled it with Jesus. And today he's inviting you to come to the table and experience the joy of life with him. For your soul to be renewed and refined and find the peace that comes in a relationship with him. And so this morning, if you're online, I would invite you to chat with somebody there on the, let, let somebody know that you want to have a conversation about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're in the room this morning and you've never trusted Christ for salvation, don't let this day pass without finding the satisfaction that your soul longs for in a relationship with Jesus. So as the band sings, it's a time of response. And after the service, after we collect the offering, I'll be in the front and Maybe some of our other folks will be here and I'd love to share with you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us first, you love us best, and you love us always, and your love never fails. And that you long to satisfy the longings deep within our souls more than we long for them to be satisfied. Forgive us, Father, for looking to other things, to, to entertainment and information and media and food, to find the longing for our stomachs, with which is what really is our souls desperately need you. And God, I thank you that as we, as your children who have a relationship with you, as you expose this sin and the sins as we look at them in the future, that we can come running to you knowing that your grace is sufficient. restoration as we come to you and bring our, our needs to you. And ultimately this morning, Father, I pray by your grace that you would bring those who don't have a relationship with you to, sat, to salvation, to the satisfaction of their souls that they're longing for. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of our Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.